Adam Crowley Show. Well, can I just speak for myself here, please? No, I will not speak to you, Stat Pat. I've had it up to here with you. Well, you can hear me, okay? Just listen to me just for a second. No! Enough! Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. I was just told that one of the jabronis on the Tom and Tom golf show called me a bleeping bleep bleep. I'm only going to mention them for two seconds because they're not relevant enough for me to spend the entire show on them. But those guys, they stink. They're no Jerry Dulac. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. Drive time radio. ESPN Pittsburgh, not a one-hour golf show. Hall of Fame game tonight, baby. Football is back. Today marks... One of the truly great days on the calendar in America every single year. I know the Hall of Fame game stinks. I know Sean Sweesom's career ended because of the Hall of Fame game. I know Canton, Ohio is in Ohio, and you don't really ever want to have to go there, but you only go there because your favorite players are getting enshrined in one of the greatest honors that you could have in a career. But you know what? It's still football. It's still ball. It might be Lamar Jackson throwing the receivers you've never heard about before. It might be Lamar Jackson getting sacked 15 times because the offensive line blows. Uh, It might be Joe Flacco playing the way Joe Flacco played last year, 5.5 yards per completion. But you know what? It's ball. And that means that from now... Until February, most weekends throughout the year, we're going to have football. It means that we are going to be able to enjoy America's real pastime for three, sometimes four hours on Thursday nights, three, sometimes four hours on Sundays, and college football right around the corner, so four and sometimes five hours on Saturdays. It makes everything so much better. It makes life so much better. You forget about all your problems. You forget that you host a crappy radio show. You forget those things because you're watching ball. Are you going to watch though tonight? Tell me. Again, at underscore Adam Crowley. The Pirates blew it last night. Oh, my God. They stunk. They stunk. Couldn't feel the ball in the first inning. Nick Kingham, instead of pitching for his job, hearing he's the guy who's going to come out of the Pirates rotation, he just doesn't give the Pirates a chance in that game. And Cole Hamels, who's been bad this year with a ERA sitting up around five, guess what? You can get to that guy. But not whenever you spot him a lead and you allow him to do whatever he wants out there. The Pirates missed a huge opportunity to get to within five games of the division-leading Cubs. You get to within five games with two months to go in the season, you've got a shot. You've got a legitimate opportunity to win the division. You've got a legitimate opportunity to play a series. You've got a legitimate opportunity... To do something special. And one game, I suppose, isn't going to make the biggest difference, but it could. You just don't know. You don't know. The Pirates aren't as talented as the Cubs, so when you one game 
slip away, when you let one game get through your grasp, when you lose one game in the standings that you could have had had you made better choices and played better baseball, well, it does hurt because Chicago is going to do what they do and they're just going to keep winning baseball games. They don't make those kind of mistakes that the Pirates did. They're the team that capitalizes on the mistakes. I still think that Archer should have started yesterday, and Archer said he needed to get stuff done. This is according to our friend Lance Lysowski of DKPittsburghSports.com, that he wanted to help his family get settled in. He needed himself to get settled in. He wanted to take care of all the business that he needed to take care of, and okay, I can understand that. But at the same time, you're also in the middle of a pennant race. At the same time, you are brought in to be the ace of this staff, or at least the number two behind Jamison Tyone, you're brought in to help bridge the gap between the Pirates and the Cubs, and instead of him taking the mound, you've got Nick King. Nick Kingham, I liked a lot coming into the season. And he pitched very well in his Major League debut. He's got good stuff. I thought he had a good head on his shoulders, but it seems now that the pressure's gotten to him. Instead of rising to the occasion yesterday, he was horrendous. And the Pirates pitching staff, the Pirates coaching staff, pardon me, needed to see that this was a possibility. Uh, they needed to know that he could crumble. And when you acquire a player so that you can pull the other player out of the rotation, you should make that happen as soon as possible. If Archer pitches yesterday, the Pirates might be five games back right now. And there'd be a different feel. Now they're four games back in the wild card. They'd have been three games back. It's a different feel. It's one game in a season that could come down to one game. I didn't like the Pirates' decision, even if it was Archer's decision, for him to not pitch yesterday. We're going to be joined by Chris Adamski coming up today at 420. We'll talk to him about the Pirates and the Steelers. He'll be live on location here at the Press Box at St. Vincent College in Trobe. I'm so happy that the Pirates did what they did getting Archer and getting Colone Kayla, whose name I'm going to continue to mispronounce. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be just as much part of the Crowley Show as transparency is, which is the number one virtue of the Crowley Show. I like that they did that because it reminded me of what the Indians and the Royals have done before them. When the Royals won the World Series, they went out they acquired bullpen arms. They went out they got Johnny Cueto. Uh, they went out, they added Edinson Volquez. They made moves to bolster their squad. They made moves to give themselves a legitimate shot at a World Series. And they were closer than the Pirates are, obviously, at getting to a World Series. And the league was not as good, I don't think, then as it is now. But the Indians, the Indians went all in. And they get Andrew Miller. And then they get Edwin Encarnacion. And it's what you want to see a real baseball team do. And it's what you want to see a small market baseball team do. The Pirates' philosophy for so long has been, let's just keep the window open as long as possible with average teams. And once every couple of years, they'll rise up and surprise. 2013, they surprised. The Twins last year, they surprised. They got to the wild card game. And that has been the example that Neil Huntington continues to throw in our face. The Twins did it, so why can't we? But now the Pirates have melded their philosophy, the one that they've had, to keep the window open with the philosophy that the Indians and the Rays have had, or the Royals, pardon me, have had, which is go for it when you do have that chance. And it's not like they went out and they did what the Brewers did when they got CC Sabathia. 
where it was just a rental player that you know you're not going to be able to keep and he winds up going to the New York Yankees. No, it's not like that. This is different because you've got Archer under years of control. This is different because you've got Keone Kella, nailed at that time, for a couple of years following this one. So while the Pirates did go all in, it also melds with their organizational philosophy of having a bunch of okay teams. And I think they'll be better than okay next year. I think they're better slightly than okay right now. It's the melding of the philosophies. Because when you've got Archer and you still have Keller, you don't have to give him up. And they're going to anchor the rotation starting maybe as early as next year. And you've got Jamison Tyon and you've got Williams and you've got Musgrove. You've got all these guys that you're going to have for a little while now. It doesn't hurt to add that Archer. It does not hurt. It only helps to add a pitcher who you know has gotten it done before. It only helps when you get that guy. Because not only are you going all in for this season, but you're going all in for the next season and the next season and the next season too. And $11 million is expensive for the Pirates, and it eventually will escalate to that level with Chris Archer. But it's not a lot of money for a proven starter in Major League Baseball. In Major League Baseball, big-time starters get $20 million. The Pirates didn't have to go spend that on the open market because they never were going to be able to spend that on the open market. They get him for a bargain in terms of cash. They do have to give up a good player in Austin Meadows, but again, the depth that they've got there at the outfield position with Corey Dickerson makes that kind of moot as far as I'm concerned. The only thing that bothers me is had the Pirates gone out and done this in 2015, they might have won the World Series. The Pirates were a couple of games away from winning the division. They had the second-best record in all of baseball. Unfortunately for them, the Cardinals had the best record in all of baseball. And yes, they went out and went and got Jay Happ. But imagine if they had gotten Happ and a guy like Price. Imagine if they had gone out and actually added the rental player. Imagine if they had gone out and won the deadline like they've won this deadline. If they had won the deadline back in 2015, they might have won the Commissioner's Trophy too. They might have done something we haven't seen in Pittsburgh since 1979. So while yesterday, or two days ago, I guess it was now, made me very happy at the trade deadline, it also made me reflect on what could have been. And, hey, maybe Neil Huntington tried, but I'm a little sick and tired of hearing about how they've tried. They should have made it happen the way that they made this happen. 412-922-2874 is the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The pirate ship ride at Kennywood wouldn't turn off. So people who were on the pirate ship expecting to ride for two minutes wound up riding it for 15 minutes, and KDKA did the story on the news where people had their faces blurred out like they thought that they were going to get assaulted by someone who works for Kennywood, like someone was going to send somebody into their house with a silencer pistol to shut them up for good. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. No hyperbole. It really was bizarre. And I think Mark Madden had the line of the day when he said they should be paying Kennywood to get the extra time on the ride. Doesn't it figure, though? The Pirates go out and they get Chris Archer, and the pirate ship won't stop. There's something there. I don't know what it is, but there is something there. I'm concerned that we're going to have problems like this at Seven Springs. Bob Nutting's going to have to spend $11 million in a couple years on Chris Archer, so he's going to have to cut back in other facets. And people are just going to fall off the chairlifts. No seatbelts on the chairlifts. 
watered-down beer at Foggy Goggle. I'm nervous. Chris Archer arrived yesterday, not via helicopter. That's the only way he could have made things better. This guy gets it. We're going to spend some time talking about the Urban Meyer scandal at 440. And yesterday on the show, I said that all organizations should have somebody that you bring in that's not the PR guy, that doesn't have anything to do with the, the actual coaching staff, but just an organizational guy that when stuff goes wrong, you bring him the problem, and he thinks about what would be best for the program, what would be best for the organization, what would be best for the people involved, and they take care of business. Chris Archer is kind of that guy for the Pirates, right? Chris Archer could be that dude. Chris Archer is showing people that in baseball you can have a personality and not just Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's got his personality because he's this braggadocious kind of jackass who runs around, slides around, his helmet falls off, he uh, gets in fights with Jonathan Pabelbon in the dugout. Uh, he's that kind of guy. He's that kind of character. Chris Archer just gets it. And not enough athletes behave the way that he does. Not enough athletes come in and endear themselves to a fan base the way that he did right off the stinking bat. He's wearing an Antonio Brown jersey. He's talking about how his mom, while not from here, has always been a Steelers fan. Is he lying? I don't know. Either way, he gets it. He also has Wiz Khalifa as his walk-up song. He also picked the number 24 because he doesn't want to disrespect Andrew McCutcheon, who he thinks should have his number retired for the Pittsburgh Pirates. The guy gets it, and not enough athletes do. This is just a day after Le'Veon Bell is seen in a strip club jiggling that booty, and the optics, while I don't think are, well, the optics are bad, the intent there is not awful. You go to a strip club, you have fun, you're a young man, you're 26 years old, I get that, that's fine. But not showing up to training camp and being out there is a bad look. Having your fiancé tape it, not realizing that that would be an issue, that's a bad look. That's a guy who doesn't get it. That's a guy who doesn't understand public perception. That's a guy who's always going to get crapped on by the media and the fans because he doesn't understand the way that he's viewed. And this is a guy who comes in all the time on Twitter.com and he'll say things along the lines of, I'm the victim, blah, 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 blah. When you paint yourself out to be the victim... The fans aren't going to like that. That's not the way Pittsburgh is. Archer shows up, and he's already endearing himself to the fans. He also had this to say, quote, The Pirates organization in general, they're committed to winning. They went through a lot of changes this offseason and got a lot of scrutiny. But I feel like they reversed that with the way that they played. That's a player acquired at the deadline saying that the Pirates are committed to winning. Maybe he doesn't get it. Coming up next, Chris Adamski from the Trib. You're listening to The Crowley Show. This is The Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Whistle. Ben Roethlisberger's last pass fell incomplete. That is not a surprise. Uh, Landry Jones' last pass fell incomplete. 
Also not a surprise. I didn't do that the way I wanted to. Uh, I, I meant to say Ben Roethlisberger was a surprise. You know what? It's been a long week, okay? And it was a long day of drinking alcohol with Chris Adamski and others last night. Uh, I feel like I should be able to get a little bit of a mulligan. Just a little bit of a mulligan. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Matt Williamson going to be joining us at the top of the next hour. Coming up in about 15 minutes on the show. Uh, we like to have fun on this program. It's why I have people like Adamski on. He's a slaphead. He's weird as all get out. We got to talk about some serious stuff, though, from time to time. And I will tell you the story of why I was not wearing shoes at the beginning of the night last night, why I wound up in Wes's shoes in a minute. But first, I got to tackle this Ohio State thing. I'm surprised that they're taking action. But I still don't know if they're going to go far enough, and I'm pleasantly surprised, but I shouldn't be surprised. This should be the norm. This should be the way things go. How many violations did Hugh Freeze rack up before Hugh Freeze got canned? Hugh Freeze left and right, recruiting violation, recruiting violation, recruiting violation, recruiting violation, and finally the kicker, Colin Hookers. Bam, gotcha. Colin Hookers, yeah. But it took until that point for him to be gone. And recruiting violations are one thing. Not reporting sexual, this is not sexual, pardon me, domestic assaults, things of that nature, that's that's awful. That is some seedy stuff. That's putting the program ahead of putting safety for a woman. It's terrible. So it's a little bit different there. But how many times do you get reports and it takes the media outrage to eventually cause action. It happens all the damn time. All the damn time. Now Ohio State, they put them on paid administrative leave. They got the interim coach in there. But what's that mean? He's still getting paid. And paid buku bucks. And they're going to investigate for the next couple of weeks? Here's a hunch. They find nothing. Why? Because he's Urban Meyer. And if any... School in the country, any school in the country, could get rid of Urban Meyer and still be okay. It's Ohio State. Ohio State can win with anybody. Ohio State is in a different class. Uh, Ohio State's bigger than Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's a coach there, a great coach. He did great things at Florida, but Ohio State can win even if he's not there. So if I'm Ohio State, I just can his ass. I'm pleasantly surprised that they've done the things that they've done so far, but... I think they need to go further. And what I don't like is that I always have to be surprised when organizations do the right thing. Like Urban Meyer hiding stuff, that didn't surprise me. Ohio State putting them on leave, that did. Rick Pitino, all the things that he knew, and you knew that he knew, and it took a long time for him to get canned. That's not surprising. What would be surprising is if after the first allegations came out where they were letting recruits have sex with hookers, and then they fired him, then I would have been surprised. That's what would have gotten me thinking, wow, that's what would have changed my mind. But for them to wait and wait and wait and wait and violation, 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 violations, Bobby Petrino, I mean, he's a bad dude. We know what he's done in the past, and yet he still gets to be around. He's sleeping with women who work for him. As he's married, wrecking his motorcycle, and then scooting her on out. And he gets a job. 
and then he gets rehired at Louisville. These things don't surprise me. This is college football. College football is a bunch of slimy douchebags coaching these teams that think that they're above the law. They think that they're above rules. And in a lot of cases, the reason that they think this is because the athletic directors don't have the sack to say see you later. They don't. And that's not surprising. But it sucks. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian, for for are are you surprised that they're putting him on administrative leave? Because I am. I yes, I am. And the thing that that gets to me is I think something will happen here, because administrative leave is a step that's hard to come back from. Like it's almost like look, we kind of know something's going on here. Let's just get him out of here before we get the paperwork done. That's how I read it. I, I could be completely off, but I was shocked that they took this step. I thought it would take a while. I thought there might be an investigation. And and honestly, I thought that nothing would happen to him. I didn't think it would. I thought he'd kind of get away with it. But now there's kind of a groundswell that's coming up. And, and, and these times, I mean, if this is 10 years ago, you know, I, I think this just goes by. If he's in yes. Florida, you, you don't even, nothing happens here. Because, um, I mean, what, he had over 30 players arrested during his tenure down there? Yes. I mean, for things like uh, for domestic abuse and stuff like that. So that sort of stuff just went by. Now, I mean, yeah, I am surprised to answer your question. That's a short way to do it. But um, it's it's weird. You just can't pull anything these days. And and uh, it's a good place to be, honestly, as a society. It is. <laughs> and I think, it's, I think we're finally seeing the Me Too movement catch up with sports. And... It's been a long time coming. Domestic violence, sexual abuse, these things happen uh, all the time. I mean, whenever you get 53 men on an NFL roster, whenever you get 90 kids that come in and and play college football, some of them are going to be bad eggs. Some of them are going to make mistakes. Some of them are going to do wrong things. And in the past, you, you you just cover it up. Now you can't. I mean, Brett McMurphy did great journalism, albeit on friggin' Facebook. That shows you just how much, like you said, Brian, things have changed in 10 years. And that great journalism has brought to light the fact that Urban Meyer is a terrible, terrible guy, Uh, something that we kind of knew before. But Rich Rodriguez, he just got canned at Arizona because of the same thing, because the Me Too movement finally catches up. I'm shocked that Matt Patricia didn't get fired except i'm not because that's kind of the way things you'd almost expect things to be right like a guy like a guy like matt patricia oh we just brought him in he's the new england patriot this dude he's he's the next big name coach in this league right and nothing happens to him nothing happens at all to him and and you know that's that's less surprising almost sometimes than than the me too movement catching up and actually getting people in trouble yeah, it definitely does. And that Patricia thing surprised me as well. I mean, you look at that. But that sort of thing, I think he just kind of came in under the radar, honestly. I mean, the Patriots are, are a big deal, and you've got a lot of other weird things happening in the NFL that may have taken that off-center a little bit. But I think that's kind of an, anom- an anomaly in the times. We've got Dino now, four one two nine two 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 eight seven four in Pittsburgh. What's up, Dino? Hey, how you doing, Adam? Hey, I I'm just right. want to say, well, number one, no woman should be abused or mistreated in any way, shape, or form. We come from a woman. <laughs> if it wasn't for a woman, we wouldn't be here. Amen. Yeah. The only no thing I would say is this. In her statements, Mrs. Smith, 
Not once did she say she talked to Coach Meyer about 2015. Her her relaying information was to Mrs. Meyer. Okay, no but, one... here's, but here's the thing that always happens, Dino. These coaches, they say they're control freaks, and they sleep in the office, and all they care about is their program, and they know the ins and outs of the program until something like this happens. Then, oh, well, didn't know that happened. Didn't know that was going on. You're right. The hard evidence isn't there that directly connects Urban Meyer to knowing. But what is there is enough circumstantial evidence for me to say, okay, this control freak absolutely knew what was going on in his program because he always knows what's going on in his program. And, and that's understandable. Uh, it, it, it's very similar to uh, Manuel Paterno. Uh, we took it and said, hey, he should have known. And uh, the same thing here. Uh, Coach Meyer should have known. The well, appreciate is- the call, Dino. Hey, I got to run, man. Thank you very much. Hey Adam, he 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 brings up something there that this is immediately deteriorated to, and it's the Penn State Ohio State thing. And this argument is flying back, like on social media all all over the place. Like every Penn Stater is taking an opportunity right now to throw out the the uh, he knew, you know. And it's it's just this weird thing that's going back and forth now. You know and, what? You're a hundred percent right, Brian, and it's it's one of the things that's bothered me about sports for a long time. When Baylor would come up to the free throw line, and I think it was Baylor, whichever there was there was a team that come to the free throw line, and West Virginia fans would cheer, chant, and it's not just for our fan base, but I'm you know I'm there, I watch, I listen. Uh, they'd say no means no, no means no, yeah. no. There, there's no place for that. That kind of stuff is is bigger than sports. Don't make it about sports. You can't now that you're a, a Penn State fan say, oh, okay, now we're tied one one in scandals. Give me a effing break. Yeah, and that's what that's the best way to say it right there. Tied exactly tied one one in scandals. People forget that these colors aren't life. They're recreation. They're hobby. You do not live and buy, die by these colors because they are a team in the end. That's all it is. It's a game. And when you start taking that kind of allegiance and pushing it over into things that actually matter to people, things that could actually harm human beings, that's where it just gets off the charts. Stop with the team allegiance thing when it comes to this stuff. And I find it, and, and I mean, just to the point, I find it hard to believe in this day and age, and I will never believe a coach in a major program when he says something to the effect of, I had no idea that went on. These guys know when those guys are home, when they're not home. They know everything. And if you think they don't, you're just you're blind because they know every little piece of thing that goes on in every one of their lives. And they let a lot of it go. And if they don't know something, they know it soon. You know what I mean? Like, yes. It, that's because it's new. They just haven't found out yet. Blake tweets at me all the time. He's one of the loyal listeners here for the Crowley Show, and he, he tweeted something very similar to what Dino had just said. But then I go into his Twitter account, and I, I always do this whenever I'm gauging the opinion of the person who is responding to the show, and it says the Ohio State Buckeyes in there. And these are the last people that I need to see defending Urban Meyer. Uh, if somebody who's not affiliated with, with Ohio State starts defending Urban Meyer, okay, then there might be some credence there. But anybody who's wearing scarlet and gray, I'm not going to take their opinion seriously right now. You can't, man. You can't at you all. Can't. It's 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 just allegiance. It's all. You, it's like it's like when that guy walks out onto the mound and gets cheered. The Milwaukee Brewers pitcher who sent those racist tweets. 
He's getting cheered not because those people are racist. They're cheering their guy. Well, sometimes you got to put that aside. Sometimes you have to stop waving your flag. Sometimes you've got to burn the colors for the day. Coming up next, we got Matt Williamson. We're going to shift gears. We're going to get some real nitty-gritty football talk about the AFC. What's the pecking order there? Who can be good, and is it anywhere near as deep as the NFC? It's the Crowley Show. It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Pirates are making moves, although last night they took a step backward. My God. Steelers training camp is reaching its bluff phase. We need a game. Tomorrow night is Friday Night Lights. That might help a little bit. Joining me now to discuss all that fun stuff and more is my friend from Sharky's last night, Chris Adamski of the Tribune Review. Hello. Hi, Adam. How are you this morning? I'm okay. It's not even the morning. feels like it. You have no idea what's going on, do you? No. You okay? I'm all right. Do you feel comfortable discussing what happened last night or no? (laughs) We don't have to. I got there, you know, significantly later than you did. I think you were about two hour, two hour head start on I me. I did. So, so therefore, I'm probably more at liberty to discuss than you are. Wow! All right, firing darts right <laughs> off the bat. I'll just say this. Okay. The night started off with me leaving shoes in a parking lot, and it ended hmm. with me shirtless getting stopped by a security guard. I'll tell you more about wow. that coming up at 4:40. That's a tease right there. That is a tease and a half, my friend. It was a fun night. Pizzas were consumed, beer was consumed, the entire iHeartMedia sales staff was there, so I didn't have to pay for a damn thing. So, it was pretty good, and that's why I'm a little sluggish off the jump today. Uh, Chris Damsky, as I mentioned, joining us here on the show. Your call, you want to start with Buckos or Stillers? we got the Stillers in front of us, right? Let's talk about we're the practicing Pirates. practicing right there. No, I'll talk about the Pirates. Oh, okay. Chris Archer. Thanks for my opinion. Yep, no problem. Keone Kella. What the hell? Unbelievable. We'll get to that in a second, but this Chris Archer guy... He gets it, man. He just gets it. He's my new favorite athlete of all time. Of all time. <laughs> all time. That's all, all time. What if he like went to West Virginia University? Would that help at all, or would that? Well, he's already my favorite. So oh, if he okay. went to WVU, it okay. just make it better. Matter. I thought. Well, I'm just conceiving somebody who could be. Oh. A, a more favorite well, athlete. Than okay, me. Will Greer. Good well, point by you. <laughs> he gets it. You're right. I mean, he knows. He knows who he's. He's nowhere to butter his bread now. That's for sure. He's got new fans. He's got new uh, teammates. New city. He's endeared himself. Although, uh, you know, this this is like. I don't know if it's get off my lawn or what, but I, the general manager asks you to show up the next day, and we really need you, and then you don't show up the next wow. day. And then they, you have to start the guy you're cutting, and he lasts one inning. And I mean, if they lose the division by two games, the two-game swing losing last night, if Archer pitches, maybe they'll win. But I that's was, probably me just complaining. I mean, he showed up anyway. That's the thing I don't get. You know what? That's my thing. He still got there. So yeah. even though he didn't want to go until Friday, they should have told him, hey, mother bleeper, you're going tonight. <laughs> like, that's on them, I think. Not so much on yeah, him. I, I thought, I'll go old man on them. You can go old man on well, him. Well, when the trade happened, I just assumed that it would be logistically you know, difficult to have him start the very next day, move cities. And, but, but whenever you – the way well, Archer himself it. told it. The way, yeah, that's a good point. And the way um, um, Archer himself told the story, Huntington asked him to pitch the next day, and he declined, which I, is sort of – I don't say insubordinate. He has the rights of his CBA to seventy two hours of report and everything else. But the way it worked out, like if if Tyone was supposed to pitch last night and he didn't, you know, then you wouldn't need him to go on his regular rotation. But the fact you had Kingham, your right. weakest link by far, 
uh, in, in a huge division game and an off day the next day, it it sort of. But you know, I don't well, want I don't want to belabor the point. I don't. Well, I don't, no, because I, I, I started off the show saying that. Oh, that, did you? Yeah, okay. it. Cause I mean, to, I was listening, of course. Of course, you were. Yeah, no, you weren't walking up from Steelers practice here at St. Vincent <laughs> no, no, College. No, yeah. uh, thank God they're doing the punting drills right now, no, though, yeah, so you don't yeah. have to worry about anything. <laughs> uh, I I thought that too. When you're playing the team that you're chasing, and you get it down to five games with two months left in the season, you're in that thing. You're in the race. You're not yeah. as good as the Cubs. But that's kind of part of it, too. If you're not as good as them, you want to do everything you can to beat them when you've got them right there. You already won the first game of the series. Archer, let's go. Arrow, out of the quiver. Let's roll. And and the guy the Cubs acquired the day before pitched last night. Yes. Now, he's a reliever. There's a lot of, you know, it's not apples to apples. And Keone Kellis often, who the hell knows where. Yeah, yeah, and that's another whole They've thing. They've lost so. him. <laughs> you can't find him. He got he, he got said uh, a bad connection on Southwest or something. Yeah, where in the world is Keone Kellis? Ended up in Anchorage or something. Uh, no, I. But listen, I don't want to kill the guy over. But uh, you know, is he still your least favorite at, or favorite athlete? Now? No, now I'm mad uh, again. No, okay, all right. Uh, but although I will say, I blame it on the Pirates. Like, no, dude, you're taking the ball. Like, you're just you're just going to. You're a pitcher. Take the ball. Go out there against the Cubs. Kick some butt. Uh, now, if he goes out and blows away 14 guys against the Cardinals tomorrow, I'll forgiven. And uh, I do want to. I want to slice this up this way too. Um, Chris Adamski joining us here on the Crowley Show. If Chris Archer doesn't win a game for the Pirates, if Keone Kella play, blows every save he's ever had, he ever has an opportunity to to get, still the right move? Still still the right move because it's good by the fans? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that they acted that way. I don't think you should run your team by the fans per se. But I think also, and Neil was pretty. Let's put this one. I was in the clubhouse yesterday from you know three fifteen to four four fifteen, whatever it was. That the what's kind of sells me on this rationale is the players were into it. Like oh yeah, like they were. Stephen Brault's like Twitter, Twitter, Archer. Like like they were like oh like like. And then he couldn't get it out. <laughs> well yeah. Come on, Brault. But these guys were. Uh, this actually, I'm sorry, this was Tuesday, but you get the point. The day yeah. the, 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 the Pirates actually won. I was in the clubhouse that the day of the deadline. And and they were I was surprised at how open and how fired up the players got about these acquisitions and how genuinely into it they were. And I so I uh, Huntington talked about that Sunday that there is sort of an intangible aspect to being a buyer for your clubhouse and for your fans and uh, and and you know but yeah right, from a business decision point of view mm. that was a nice it's a hell of a throw by Ben Roethlisberger down the sideline he would have gotten sacked though by Bud Dupree which. Uh. Every time that there's a chance to say that, you have to say it. <laughs> Give him the credit whenever he has oh, an yes. opportunity to get the credit. But then again, he's going against a rookie left tackle right now. Yes. So that, that, he got it. off the ball real quick there, too. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about training camp is I can do some play-by-play while we're on well, the air. There you go. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's hugely part of it. Uh, and, and more so than about the fans. You, you get your baseball team fired up, sure. Um, but this, this, this team needed to rebond with the, with the city. As Clint Hurdle said whenever he started, I'm going to rebond this city with the baseball team. Well, you did for a little bit, and then all that faith went to... So and, and see, this year back. was the perfect year to do it. I don't know how much it played. Because, A, as much as the Pirates talked about, people talked about the Pirates selling, let's face it, okay? I don't... And it, actually, David Freeze has been so hot the last month, he probably could have gotten he's something. A, he's the best player of all time. And... and I don't know how, you know, maybe Harrison is a, is a, a contending team and there's an injury or needs a utility type, bench type guy. I don't know. I mean, was the attending team going to give up a lot of uh, capital for Jordy Mercer or for Yvonne Nova? No. I mean, Vasquez, okay, but that would have been a rebuild if you're trading Vasquez. So I don't know how much they would have gotten back for selling. And the guys they bought aren't rentals. 
they're at least two year, two plus, three plus year guys, uh, two and three plus year guys. So it it wasn't just a go for it in twenty eighteen move. Now I don't know. Neil has talked about part of the rationale was we believe in this core we have right now, and I, I, you know I, I hate to throw cold water on all this, but I don't know. I, I I'm not sold on Colin Moran yet as being the you know a, 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 a core type player, and I don't you know Josh Bell's not having a year for a first baseman type production that you need, um, but you know. Again, I don't want to be Mr. Uh, Debbie Downer here. so You are, uh, um, and I find it offensive. Chris Adamski joining us here on the Crowley Show. All right, let's flip to Steelers. What have you seen? Uh, we'll, we'll keep it vague at first, and we can narrow it down. What have you seen? I've seen can you only believe we've been here for seven days? Yeah, yeah. I it do. feels like we've been here I for know. a lot longer than that. I know. Well, today, uh, actually, today's the seventh practice, and there's 14 practices. So we're, we're, it's sort of halfway wow. through camp. It's not really because there's a lot more off days coming up and games and whatnot, but it's sort of the halfway point of camp, if you put it. And actually, if you go by St. Vincent, there's only six practices left at St. Vincent, so we're over halfway here at Chuck Noll Field. Um, you know, I don't know. I, 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 good, good expertise. Yeah, Thank you. I appreciate very, this that. Is, this is why you're not the best color man in the league for nothing or the best uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, I, you know, there's uh, what has stood out to me. Is that what you're asking about players? Yeah. What, uh, Give me something. I mean, I was, I'm really interested to see Chooks, uh, for one thing, here with, with Alvin and Weaver being out to see. I mean, it, the fact that he is on the first team, when when Al is out, shows he is the top option. That tackle. also that also shows me yikes. Well, yeah, yeah, and and so I'm curious to see if he if he had. I mean, we talked about him being a third round pick and being raw and maybe having a higher ceiling than your normal third round pick. But he's getting thrown in the fire here pretty quick. And yeah, that that's concerning. If Gilbert Gilbert's missed a game every, at least one game every year here for a while, and missed, of course he's a got suspended last year. Uh, Villanueva has been pretty uh, uh, durable, but still, if he's your backup tackle, but if you start going to backups now, we're already down a guard. Uh, you know, we're talking position battles. Uh, we're talking about backups. So, but I, I know. forgot. I just until just now, I forgot that Marcus Gilbert got suspended last year. That's how many oh. things happen with the Steelers <laughs> in their soap opera season. No, that to me, everyone's focusing on inside linebacker depth. Everyone's focusing on the secondary and how good it po- possibly could be because of the pedigree that they have back there. Everyone's talking about Bud Dupree and flipping sides with T.J. Watt and what that can mean. But I am legitimately concerned about the Steelers' offensive line depth. I like the inside depth. I like B.J. Finney. If you lose, if you had to lose a guy, Ramon Foster's probably the one to lose. No offense to him. He's a great guy. He's a good football player. But B.J. Finney can step in, and they're not going to miss that much of a beat. You lose to Castro, it's a little bit different, obviously. But if you lose one of those tackles, and he comes in, and he's a rookie, and a rookie who is a project... Yikes. I mean, that that's Ben Roethlisberger is going to get beat up, and the problems just compound, and it becomes an issue. So that that is something I'm looking at. Uh, what about the inside linebacker position battle have you seen so far that makes one guy stand out maybe over the others? It's the pendulum is swinging from Matakevich. To, it's very, very subtle, and it's almost gradual. I don't know if it's like they don't they still have sort of a reverence to the uh, seniority of, of Matakevich. Like, I'm interested to see who actually starts the game once we get to next Thursday. But if you go through the practice, it started out Matakevich, the ones, and they would kind of rotate. Then there were a couple of days there where the three of them would rotate. Right. Vince would kind of – and now it's like Bostic is consistently the, the first one out there. Now that's only the first player, too, and it's only practice. But it seems as if the tide is shifting – that Bostic is, is taking over for Matakevich as to be. But um, as I read about today, there, there's a lot of the, the inside linebacker position, maybe because of the the, the fact it's, you know, I don't, I don't know, if it's, is it the weakest position group on the team? Is, is I that, think that so. Fair to say? And the depth there is not good either. Yeah. 
So I, maybe as a result of that, or partially as a result of that, maybe the evolution of, of football and everything, there's, there are packages now where there are no inside linebackers on the field the Steelers have been practicing with. Well, and I hope that that's the way that they go uh, because we've been talking about this. Matt Williamson is going to join me at 5 o'clock to talk about the AFC and, and the packing order there. But I've been talking with Matt Williamson over the past couple of days about uh, you don't want both of those guys on the field. Bostic, I think, can run. And Bostic, I think he can be maybe a James Ferrier type for these Steelers. Maybe not that good, but I think he can come in. He's a guy who's been injured. Uh, I like him a lot. But the other two, neither of them can run. As, that scares me. As we speak right here, the dollar package, seven defensive backs in the game right now. Give it to as me, soon, baby. As as Give it as, to me. Right, Put right, your right best players on the field, right? Yeah, and if, that's what, and if Edmonds is the real deal and, you know, and, and, you know Sean Davis and, uh, you know, if – I don't know. The, the problem with this is, though, you're talking about the – I don't know how great the secondary is. I, you know, well, at least you're putting the most pedigree on the field because Vince Williams is a sixth-round pick, and you've got Matikavich is a seventh-round pick, and you've got Bostic who's so good that he's no longer a Colt. He's been like a fifth team in five years. Or exactly. Now, so so uh, you look at what you've got in the back end and how, how it's all come to be. I mean, Burnett's a good player. That, that, I'm, that much you know. Now, does he fit here? We shall find out. Edmonds, first-round pick. Burns first round pick, Joe Hayden former first round pick who's very solid. I think they like Cameron Sutton. Yeah, and you look and they brought in four safeties this year. Hand picked. They had a plan in mind. A new, a new secondary coach. They clearly, uh, you know, you never know how the draft might fall, but you draft two safeties, you you sign two safeties, one sort of a high, you know, up to a starter salary, one to a backup, but it's still four new bodies. You get rid right. of three safety bodies you had, you know, you add Cameron Sutton to the mix at cornerback. There obviously was some sort of vision in in, fa- in place there where they were going to use, and uh, you know it's interesting to me, it's fascinating to me is, is was this the, all along? And, and we we have pretty you know reliable reports that they were trying to trade up for Rashad Evans, and if that happens, you know, and, and they don't draft Edmund, maybe they don't even draft Marcus Allen later, and maybe you know maybe it's a totally different uh, scheme they go with. You know, uh, is, it, you know and it's just funny because it if, if we talked about this a bunch too, like Telvin Smith for the Jags, if he walks in a room with Terrell Edmonds, I mean, they're the same size. I mean, they're the same body type. It's exactly the same thing. Uh, Delvin Smith's been very good. You need that in today's league, and I hope they go that way because if you've got Matikiewicz and Vince Williams on the field at the same time, you're going to get burned by everybody. Not just the New Englands. You're going to get burned by flipping everyone. (laughs) Cincinnati's going to have Joe Mixon split out wide, and you're done. Cleveland's going to have Duke Johnson split out, and you're done. Baltimore... Joe Flacco can only throw it five yards, so you might be okay. <laughs> but you're going to have some issues there. Chasing Lamar Jackson sideline to sideline. Well, are you excited for the Hall of Fame game today? I'm excited for professional football. Me yeah, so, too, Danny. Yeah, yeah so uh, definitely. It's always a uh, – I'm, I'm a big college football guy too, so we've got two weeks for that, right? Or is that – that's two weeks? I don't know. Two weeks? I mean, they, they, they start the season in mid-August now? Well, they have that, that week You're no advocate thing. for the student-athlete. <laughs> No, I can't wait. I started the show up that I said today's one of the greatest holidays that we've got in this country. It's the first day of football because from now until February, most weekends there'll be a ball game. Yeah, that's true. I guess you're right. It's every, not this Sunday, but if you count this as the weekend, you're right. And, and that, that is something that's great. But nothing's better than football or nothing, an apple pie, uh, hot dogs, and like fourth string uh, quarterbacks oh. and, uh, you know. Backup linebackers and guys will be selling insurance in three weeks. I wonder, why are they always selling insurance? 
<laughs> Why is it always insurance that they sell? They could sell anything. Insurance sales is a very uh, make your uh, own mark. Very honorable profession, and, and you know probably compensated better than journalists are. So or surely better uh, compensated better than journalists are. So I don't know why I say that either. So when they cut the fifteenth offensive tackle <laughs> on the Steelers, that guy has to go sell insurance. Like this wide receiver, number eighteen, this guy right here. That's, that's that's former Georgia Tech quarterback Justin Thomas, my yeah, friend. Yeah, I mean, so when he gets cut, is it, he's probably going to play quarterback in the CFL. Okay, we're good. Yeah, he'll, be, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll be Johnny Manziel's backup. Every time that Speaking Mason Rudolph Sorry. drops back, yeah, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm sorry. It, it makes me think of Brian St. Pierre. <laughs> Number two? Number two. I just like the first. My favorite was the first three or four days of practice. It was like if twelve or two and thirteen were in the game, which is James Washington, his former college teammate. The ball was going there. It didn't matter. You could have put four guys on. I'm like, don't even bother covering. Don't even cover. Don't even bother covering eighteen. He's not throwing this way. Don't worry. No, he's oh, throwing right. his dude. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's going whatever way. Throw it up. And that's Washington. Would do it. And then what's crazy part was Washington would make these plays when Rudolph was quarterback. Then he'd get some reps with like uh, Landry Jones or even Ben Can't or whatever. Catch the ball. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, off his hands. Whatever. It's like it's like there's no. Those two are sort of a package deal. You know, I would almost not put them on the field at the same time. No, for real. Just, no, I hear you saying. Yeah, I mean, because you, you want him to learn how to throw to other guys. You want him to actually read the defense and go through his progressions yeah. instead of just chucking it up to James, which is what he did at Oklahoma State. And if you're James, you want to catch the ball from somebody else other than Mason Rudolph. Probably would be behitch your development, behoove your development. Is that the word I'm trying to say? I have no idea. I don't he, know. I can't talk. He looks Mason does a little skittish to me. Yeah, and it's crazy. And I think I t- what did I tell? We made my last two appearances on this very program. The first day, you were making fun that I was putting Mason Rudolph in the Hall of Fame based off his OTAs and summer workouts and, and rookie camp. And the very next day, he had a terrible practice. And that was the first practice here in camp. And I think he's not had a very good camp at all. And but I don't know what. And maybe it's just me. I, I don't know what the rest of the uh, of all your uh, you know experts you have on no, we, where I rank on the podium. I think we're all on the same page there. But breaking news here on the Uh-oh. Crowley Show, Chris Adamski says that Mason Rudolph's not going to make this football team. <laughs> uh, appreciate the time, man. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Coming up next, I'm surprised Ohio State's taking the actions that they are, and it hurts me that I have to be surprised. That and my night started without shoes on and ended without shoes on, and in between there was a lot of nonsense. It's the Crowley Show. He's not the best color man in the league for nothing, boy.